0: over 40 men's soccer team. And I gotta tell you, it's amazing to do over 40 men's soccer. And the reason why is because when you play soccer and you're 39, it sucks. Because you go out there and you play, you're like, oh, you wanna go play soccer, join my team? And I'm like, yeah, I'll get out there and play. And like, dude, when you're 39 and you're playing, those guys are 22 and they're just faster than you and they can run forever and you think you're in some sort of prime and you realize there's no prime left in me. Like, I am not, I cannot keep up with those fools, right? But when you turn 40 and you play the over 40 league, it all changes. It's magical. You go in there and you're like, I'm that young guy. Like, these guys are old. And I'm, like, young, and I can run for days compared to these guys. Like, I, suddenly, I'm all the things I wasn't before. Like, I'm suddenly, I'm just, like, really energetic and fast, you know, and I wasn't that, like, the other league. You know, I'm like, this is incredible. And so I did that. I joined the 40 and up league, and we were playing indoor soccer, and it was really fun until this one night. We were playing, and, uh, you know, in indoor soccer, it's about speed. It's not finesse. you got to launch that ball if you're going to get it in that goal. And so uh, I remember I was somewhere near the top of the key with the ball, and I just, I, I went back just to crank it as hard as I could at that goal. And I, and I cranked it, and something in my leg right here went like, like, I don't know if you'd call it a pull or a tear or a disruption in the force, but something happened, and I was like, oh, and I started, like, I started, like, limping around on the field. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I just, you know, I just, and you're like, I just pulled something, you know, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that hurt. And I was like, I should probably get out of the game. So I get out, and I go, and I, I wait till, through, like, halftime, and I'm trying to, like, walk it off, and I'm like, you know, this is probably just a, a little pull, just a little thing, you know. And I was like, I'll get back in the game. And I got back in the game, like, after halftime. And I'm, like, going around in the field like this. And I'm like, this is not good. And that was the last night I ever played indoor soccer. Um, because I, I did some damage. Apparently, the doctor told me, you, you, you did a thing. Uh, and, you know, past 40, then they're like, they don't even fix it. They're like, you're just, you're, you're hosed. Sorry, you know. And so, um, but it was, it was one of the first times I remember um, feeling betrayed by my body. Like, man, you know, because I, I, I thought like the body kind of works like this, like my mind tells my body what to do and then it just does it. Like we're going to go do the thing. Let's go do the thing. And your body's like, yeah, let's do the thing. That's how I thought it worked. And eventually it stops working that way, apparently. If you want to know what getting older feels like, it feels like that, like being betrayed by your body. It, it, it's, it's a very frustrating feeling when you when you when when you experience that, and maybe maybe you've had an injury, or maybe you've just had this experience of like looking at your body and going like, ah, this ain't it. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you betraying me? Or maybe you talk to your bo- you talk to your body like you're a like a, a parent. You're like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Like, what are you doing? You know, have you ever felt that way? You ever felt um, betrayed by your body? I think a lot of us can relate to that. Maybe not the maybe not the soccer thing. But I, I I think a lot of us relate to the idea that we're we've got some issues with our bodies, the bodies that we have been we, we have been given. And so we're starting a new a new series today called Body Language, and we're gonna talk about what our bodies tell us about God and what God tells us about our bodies. And so we, we wanna look at Hey, we're living this life in the flesh. And and what does it mean to be embodied, to have these bodies that we have? What does that mean? What does that tell us about who God is? And what does God tell us about who we are through the bodies that we have? Um, And and I think this is an important topic. Because right now the human body is just like this incendiary topic in in culture. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts, and in every podcast it seems there's something going on. Someone's having a conversation about the body, whether it's a gender conversation or sexuality or or health or nutrition or all all that. You know how much sleep you get, all that kind of stuff. It's all showing up all over culture around the body right now, and I I actually think we it would be really good for us to talk about it. Um, It can be a very incendiary topic. And uh, we will get into some spicy things here in the next, in the next five weeks in this series. Um, topics about like, um, c- because the, it can be incendiary because we, there's things like what is a person and what does it mean to be human? And what is beauty? And what does healthy actually look like? And when does life begin? And how do I build muscle? And and what's this biohack that I can use to get better sleep? And should I eat meat? And what kind of diet should I be on? Like all of these questions show up around the body. So it's a very spicy topic, incendiary. But it's also a very intimate thing because how we relate to our bodies, well, that's that's a big deal to us, and it, and it matters. And for a lot of us, our relationship with our own body is kind of messy. Um, for some of us, our relationship to our body is one of the sources of our deepest shame in life um, and, and things that we would not like to think about and rather forget. And, and for some people, the body is the thing they try to hide. For some people, the body is the thing that drives their identity the most. So I want to talk about it for the next five weeks, and, and hopefully bring some, um, some thoughts from Scripture about how to handle the body. Um, and I hope that what we bring brings more, more, more health than harm, because I think the advice that our culture is giving right now is bringing more harm than, than health. So why are we talking about it? Um, there are certainly many things we could talk about that are less controversial than this, But I think the reason we have to talk about it is because everybody's talking about it. It's all over the culture. Um, I I, I think your kids are learning about it in school. You're hearing about it at work through policies that are being made. It's all over, you know, podcasts and in your news feed of your social media. It's a a big deal. And even if how you relate to your own body is not a big struggle for you, it probably is for friends of yours, people that you love, family members... Uh, everyone is dealing with this. So we want to we spend some time talking about it because I want the church to be a place where people can be encouraged and challenged as they wrestle through the things that are cultural norms. Like, I want us to be able to think well about what is going on in culture and, and how do we deal with it? How do we talk about it? How do we relate to those things? Let's think well. Let's, let's come together and, and really look at what God has taught on these things and figure out how we walk that out in our, in our day-to-day lives. We want to have, create a space where people can engage compassionately and honestly and lovingly with nuance about tough topics. Because some of the topics we're going to cover in the next couple weeks are going to be some tough topics that are going to take compassion and love and nuance and truth. And if we get this right as a church and we're able to talk about these things well, um, I think we we set ourselves up, or we position ourselves in the community as a place where you can go and really get into this stuff, and 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 learn and grow and hear truth, and um, you can you can, and, and I think as the church, if we can set ourselves up to handle these things well, we can have the opportunity to point people to Jesus, who ultimately um, is the author, the creator of us, and and he. He can show us grace and truth as we navigate some of these, these tough topics. So let's dive in. Uh, how do we currently view the body? What are some statistics out there that you, we could find about how people are viewing the body? Uh, I found several. Check this out. Nearly 50% of teenage girls say they want cosmetic surgery. of all teens say they're not happy with their body, and that number jumps to 78% by age 18. That's a lot. 40 to 60% of elementary school girls are worried about being too fat. And one in three boys younger than 15 say they want more muscle so they can be more of a man. Abigail Schreier reports. A journalist, she did a, a, a book um, about gender dysphoria. She talked about gender dysphoria—the idea that um, I, my brain is telling me one thing that's different than my body. I, you know, it's the, you know, I'm I pres- I'm, I'm a man, but I, I my brain's telling me that I'm a woman. That idea, that the idea of gender dysphoria um, shows up. It has always shown up in the general population. L- less than 0.1 percent of the population, primarily men, who have dealt with that over centuries of, of feeling this, this disconnect between body and, and mind, and they feel like, oh, I'm actually a woman, that kind of thing. Um, but Abigail Schreier's reported and, and showing the studies that, that say that uh, the amount of girls now that are identifying as gender, having gender dysphoria is up 4,400% in the last decade. So something is going on, and it's not just, oh, it's just easier to talk about now. Like, there's, there's definitely something going on culturally Around, around that issue. And I think the way that our society is talking about it and, and trying to offer solutions, I think it is not bringing more freedom. I think it's bringing more bondage to people. Now, many of us have, even if we don't struggle with gender dysphoria, let's say, many of us have a, um, maybe an unhealthy view of how we relate to our body. For some of us, there's rejection of the body. We think of the body as something that we need to escape. I don't like what this is. I'm going to be something else. And for others of us, there's something more like obsession about the body. My body is something that I actually need to, like, rule over and, and, and conquer. Um, for a lot of us, it's, um, I'm uncomfortable with the body that I'm in. And, and we might say, um, you know, my body doesn't define me. Um, who I truly am is not my body. Who I truly am is what's in my head. And so we focus on the transcendent self and maybe the spiritual or emotional side of us. We focus on that and ignore the physical side. We go, that's just my body. That's not who I truly am. And maybe we will ignore nutrition or we will ignore rest or sleep or we will ignore our past trauma. We will ignore these things because those are all things of the body and we'll just say, well, that's just not me. I am something else. Or maybe we will obsess over our bodies and we will go, man, I really need to focus on this and I need to conquer this thing. And I need to do whatever I can to make it something else. Um, that could be done in a healthy way through maybe rest and nutrition and all that, but it can also go uh, way overboard where we have all sorts of surgeries. There's a... There's a Multi-billion-dollar anti-aging industry, and maybe some of that's good. I mean, a cream or something might be might might be good, but it can easily become overboard. Where what we are not trying to fix is our bodies, but really what we're trying to fix is our ego. As we as we get older, and we're trying to go like, oh, I I used to have it, and I'm going to get it again through all of these other other means. Um, so, the body becomes something we either reject, say yeah, it's not a thing, or we obsess over it, maybe to an unhealthy level. I think modern beauty standards, um, the way we are talking about beauty in in our culture, uh, I I don't think they elevate the soul or or make us better. In fact, mostly what they do is degrade and they try to get us to play by some really crazy rules for what is normal and what is good and what is right. So let's pause and catch our breath because there's a lot there, right? Um, The goal in this series is going to be Uh, How can we get to a healthy place? A healthy place about who we are as embodied people. And how do we relate to ourselves better? How do we relate to God? Um, How do we relate relate to other people through the bodies that we have been given? I, I think this is crucial to our well-being. Because what we think is true about our bodies determines how we use our bodies. And how we use our bodies determines how we live our lives so we need to talk about this stuff i hope this is useful to you if you today are at peace with your body i'm happy for you i think that is awesome Um, that is a a great thing if you're coming in this and i'm in a good place here's what i would tell you pay attention to this stuff and and track with this because a lot of people who are around you are not at peace with their bodies your children, your coworkers, your friends, your family members. They're not at peace. And so we need to talk about this, and, and, and maybe this will be useful to you, and then it'll help you to help others. So the foundation of all that we think about the body really from a Christian perspective, a Judeo-Christian perspective, starts in Genesis 1 when God creates humanity. We're going to look at this scriptural several, several times during this series because it's so foundational. This is God creating men and women on the earth. Genesis 1, start with verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So there's a creation narrative of God is before this. He has already created the heavens and the earth and the planet and the the land and the the sea and the trees and all the birds and all that kind of stuff. And then he creates humanity as kind of the crown jewel of his creation, and he puts uh, humanity there. And he starts with this couple, Adam and Eve, um, and God, Genesis 2 kind of unpacks a little more of that. And they are placed in a garden. It's a beautiful place. Um, You know, San Diego weather. It's just fantastic. And they are placed there. And and it is good. And they are given uh, free reign of like, you know, hang out with the animals, just work the land, take care of things, uh, have all the vegetation. You can eat these trees. And he puts a boundary in places. Don't eat from this one tree. That's the only tree I don't want. This tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. Uh, but everything else is yours, and I always thought that's a weird detail. Except that the reality is all relationships and all love has some sort of boundaries to it, and so God gives them boundaries as well. Hey, do stay within here. Do this. Do these things I've given you, but don't go outside of that by by doing this. And so they eventually, if you know the story in Genesis three, they are tempted by a serpent. We'll we'll get into this more detail next week. But a serpent comes along and tells them, hey, you know, God, basically like God's lying to you. you. You really want to eat that tree. And Eve sees it, and she goes, oh, this is really good. Now, a lot of people like to throw Eve under the bus here, but Adam is also there, like asleep at the wheel, not paying attention to what's happening in his own house. And so uh, Adam and Eve, they both fall for this, and they eat this fruit that they're not supposed to, and it says that they saw that the fruit was good for eating, and it was, looked good to the eye, and it would taste good, and it was going to give them knowledge, and all this stuff. They eat that, and it becomes a problem. They realize, that it says they realize they're naked, they're ashamed of that, they're ashamed of their bodies, is the first reaction, and then God provides covering for them through the death of animals, actually. So animal skins end up covering their nakedness. So this is the origin of, I don't know, fashion or whatever. Um, so it, it, what you have here is a very embodied story. You have people, God creates his crowning creation, he makes them people, he makes them people with flesh and skin and all of that. And they are tempted, Satan tempts them in a very physical way. Eat this thing. It's going to taste very good for your body. You're going to like it. So there's a a body thing there. Then they are ashamed of their bodies. And then they try to cover, then they have to cover up their bodies with animal skins. What this tells me and what this should tell you is if you have body issues, if you're like, "Ah, I'm ashamed of who I am, it's not because you're just different and off. It's because this is the way it's been since the beginning of history. We have always, you know, it started good but very quickly went off course where we have always had some level of shame or struggle with, with our body. Sin has entered the world and has caused that problem in us internally with our bodies. So the scripture teaches a couple things about the body early on. Number one, the body is good. No, yeah. Number two, the body is a tool, has a purpose. Number three, the body is a wonderland. John Mayer taught us that. That's not God. I'm just kidding. Just wanted to see if you were paying attention. Um, the body is good. The body is good. Your body is not an accident. The way it is structured and, 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 and the body that you're living in, uh, it was made by God on purpose. Um, yes, sin has wrecked some things in humanity, and there there are some challenges for sure. But it, overall, generally, the body is good. and. The fact that you are physical and embodied matters. God could have just created a spirit or a soul to float around there, but he gives you a body. You are not, so because the body is good, you are not just like a brain or a soul with a meat skeleton. Um, you, it's actually combined. Those things, are, those things actually work together. And so uh, your body is good. It's part of God's design. And so when you hate your body, you are actually hating God's good creation. You're actually hating what he made and what he declared as being not just good in, in Genesis 1, if you go back and read it, but he, he's, when he creates humanity, he says it's very good. Everything else he called good, but humanity says it's very good. God calls you, your body, very good, um, and, and, and we need to understand that. He also gives you a purpose. Uh, your body has purpose. Um, If you see the original instructions laid out for Adam and Eve, he says, okay, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over the fish and the the sea and and all that. Basically, uh, the the instructions from God were, make more of you. I'm starting with you guys, but I want you to make more. So be fruitful and multiply. Reproduce yourselves and fill the earth and take care of it. Um, have dominion over it, watch over the the land and the sea and the the animals and and those sort of things, like be good stewards of the creation that i 've given you and and really he, he gives us work to do uh, we have We have a mission we have a purpose given to us from from God uh, right at the beginning um, the, so the body isn 't just good the body is a is really a, a tool it has a purpose it has a a function it 's supposed to do something partly reproduction, yes, but also just taking care of and nurturing the creation that we've been given and working and building something out of the raw ingredients that god gives us and what this means is there are ways to use your body that will bring vitality and health and flourishing to you and to the world and there are ways to use your body that will cause destruction and pain and frustration um it's sort of like you know, you can use a screwdriver like it's a hammer, but eventually it's going to break down when you use it that way. And I think God has laid out the terms and said, this is what I designed you for. Uh, this is how I made you. So function like that. And when you go outside of that, you're going to run into some, some problems. Um, so the body is good. The body is a tool. And I would also say this. The body is a key part of you. The body's a key part of you. It's not just a, 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 an extra thing. It is key to who you are. Um, not everything, but it's not nothing. Uh, in fact, the Scripture talks about, the biblical authors talk about the body and soul often like they're two sides of the same coin, that they, they, they work they work together. Your, your inner soul is expressed through your outer body. Uh, listen, just let me give you a couple of scriptures. Listen to how often they're kind of lumped together. Psalm 63, 1, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Uh, Proverbs 4 says this, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Somehow God's words and teachings can be healing to your flesh, not just to your mind, not just to your disruptive thought patterns, not just to your intrusive thoughts or whatever. It can be healing to your flesh, it says. Psalm 32, 3, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. I don't even know how that works but somehow there's a body, mind, soul connection there. First Corinthians 6, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body, he's talking about sexual immorality, he says the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Continuing on, verse 15 says this, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? never this strong connection between who you are in Christ and, 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 and your soul and what you're physically doing with your body, Philippians 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Here's the deal. Uh, in, in eternity... When we, when we die and live again, we are not going to become ghosts. We are not going to become angels floating on clouds. There's no scriptural basis for people becoming angels. We are going to become embodied creatures. We are going to be something human again in the future, in eternity. We're going to have different bodies. We're going to have new bodies. And for some of us, we're like, that's awesome. A new one would be great. This one's busted. Uh, whatever, I get it. But that is our future. Our future is not ever... You're just going to be floating around like a thought or a whisper. You are embodied. That's always the case. When Christ returned from the dead, he came back physically. Um, he, he had a physical body. So our body isn't something just to escape from. And I'm wondering where's the disconnect? Because if, if, we, if we don't like our bodies, um, or if, if we reject our bodies or we obsess over our bodies, why is there a disconnect? If the Scripture says... Um, we're supposed to have bodies, and we always will. Uh, where's that disconnect? And I think I think what happens is that sin just gives us a very distorted view of our bodies. Um, there's a there's a distorted view, I think, in the Christian world, and there's sort of a secular distorted view of the body as well. Let me let me just explain both of them briefly. In the Christian world, or in Christian theology, there's this idea of Gnosticism that showed up in the early, in the first century. You, you, you'd see it kind of popping up. Uh, actually, we just taught through First John through the summer, and you see it in First John. It's there as well. We talked about it just a couple weeks ago. The Gnostic idea is that Jesus was um, spiritual, not physical. This is, you know, decades after Jesus had walked the earth. You already start to get the idea of like, well, Jesus wasn't really physical. He wasn't really flesh. He was this spiritual Creature, um, and 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 that that separation, because the idea in the Greek world, uh, in the Roman world, would have been that you know. Uh, physical things are dirty, broken. This is where all the violence happens. This is where all the nasty stuff of physical life, all that stuff is gross and terrible. And that's the dark stuff. The good stuff then is this otherworldly spiritual plane, this idea. And so Jesus couldn't have been both of those things. He's got to be like the spiritual one. And there's, that's sort of the Gnosticism, the split that happens in the ancient world. And we actually have some versions of that that show up in Christianity today. We don't necessarily call it Gnosticism, but it's kind of the same idea that the physical stuff is all bad and spiritual stuff is all good. And there's and nothing physical can be good, nothing spiritual is bad, you know, so it's this this split that we have. And I think for Christians, for people who grow up in the church, one way it shows up is that we, we start acting like the only thing that matters is that we go to heaven one day and that the future is where it's all at and we just need to escape this mortal mess and we need to get out of this and we need to... You know, God needs to poof, sort of remove us from this horrible earth, and then things are going to be great because we're going to be this spiritual thing. Um, I think that's a little bit how the Christian sort of Gnosticism idea uh, shows up. And I think when we do that, we're ignoring the fact that our faith and, and our, our spiritual life is embodied. Jesus was in the flesh, too. He was a—he a, he took on flesh. He was—he was—he was—, um, he, he was, he was uh, Walking on the earth in the soil in the dirt with us in a very physical way if bodies didn't matter to Jesus Then I'm, I'm curious why he healed so many of them Like it must have mattered on on some level if if uh, if if bodies didn't matter Why did Jesus come back from the dead in a body and then minister to a lot of people? Why did he teach us about how to handle our bodies like because the body actually matters So we need to hold the body and soul together in in our minds and in our our faith and not separate them out. So a a quasi-Christian way to separate them out is that Gnosticism thing. But I think what's more popular in our culture right now is there's a a very secular idea that splits out uh, the body and the mind. Um, It's called the personhood theory, which is basically a person is separate from their body. Now that theory that a person and that you are this thing that's separate from your body. That theory um, was actually pretty useful, especially over the last 100 plus years of um, abolishing slavery, uh, treating people like they're actually people, um, and that not just a, a body to be used uh, for the empowerment of women through vote and all these things. Like there are some really good things that have happened over, that, uh, o- over the centuries. However, in the last 60 years or so, um, we have shifted I think we've 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 shifted away from uh, from that, and and we we've basically taught that a person and the and their body are two separate things, um, almost completely, and that um, who you really are is your sense of agency, your sense of self awareness. If you have agency and self awareness and things like that, that makes you a person as opposed to just a body, and that your sense of self really has nothing to do with your body. If you think about Rene Descartes uh, famously, we don't know many philosophers, but we know what he said, and he said, I think, therefore I am. And I think in modern terms, I think what what we've taken that to mean is um, I'm a person because I think. And who I am is what I think. It's about my conception of myself in my mind. And this Per- personhood theory really is this new age sort of progressive Gnosticism that says the body has no connection to our identity, that you can be something and your body something completely else. Uh, Nancy Piercy uh, wrote this book. It's a really good book. I'm going to recommend it for you. It's a book called Love Thy Body. Uh, read it maybe two years ago and then I've looked it over again for this series. Um, I'll post a link to that book uh, for you this week so you can get a hold of it if you want. But this is what she says in her book. Christianity holds that the body and soul together form an integrated unity, that the human being is an embodied soul. By contrast, personhood theory entails a two-level dualism that sets the body against the person as though they were two separate things merely stuck together. As a result, it demeans the body as extrinsic to the person, meaning non-essential, something inferior that can be used for purely, pro- uh, for purely pragmatic purposes." That theory that she's describing, this is the water that we have been swimming in in our culture for decades. This is how a person can look at an eight-week-old fetus and say, that's not a person. That's just whatever, a clump of cells, or that's just, that's just a body, but it's not a person. Because if we, if we connected those things and said the body is the person, like those are those are intimately and intricately linked. If we connected them, we couldn't do what we do. We couldn't, we couldn't stand behind the things we do with abortion because we, we wouldn't be able to hold that together in our heads. So we say, with this person in theory, we say, no, that's not a person. That's just, uh, that's just a, a body. In order to do that, we have to believe that the body itself has no inherent value until something like agency and self-awareness is added to it and it becomes... A, a, a person. Now look, I'm not saying this to shame anybody in this room. This is the water we are all swimming in. We're all a byproduct of this world that we live in. But I'm saying this because it's, it's a bad idea and bad philosophy needs to be called out. C.S. Lewis says, good philosophy, philosophy must exist if for no other reason because bad philosophy needs to be answered. The truth is in our culture today, the body is under assault. It's under assault. And I, and I actually think that makes sense if you think of the Scripture is that the body is the temple of God that this is where God's Spirit is housed. And so if you're going to attack God, you're going to attack the body. You're going to attack the temple. 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Paul says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is a, a, a powerful thing. He says it this way, the body is good, the body is a tool, the body is a key part of you, and the body can house the presence of God. The Holy Spirit, when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit, and you're baptized into him, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And, and your body ends up housing God's spirit within you. Um, and this is, this is significant. We can become the dwelling place of God within, um, in, in the world. And I think that's in part why the body's under such attack. So what do we do with all this? Um, If our bodies are good, uh, here's what I want to ask you. If your body is created by God and it's good, here's here's what I want you to think about. Um, How can you be kinder to your body today and this week and this month and this year? How can you be kinder to the body that God has given you? Now that's going to look different for different people um, we all we're all in different spaces with that right um, so how could you be kinder one maybe one thing you could do is have a conversation with the Lord talk to God about your body and say all right this is what you gave me where are we at God what, how, how can I shift my thinking about what you have given to me that might be a step to take another step would be talk with a trusted friend about the struggle Talk with a Christian friend about, hey, man, I'm I'm at war right now with my body in these areas. Talk to somebody about it. And if you don't have someone like that that you can talk to, um, we are starting formation groups here in a couple of weeks. We're starting small groups in September. We have areas for you to connect and get to know some people and and maybe build some of those friendships where you can have some of those conversations. Um, a third step might be to read Nancy Piercy's book. Again, we'll post a link to it tomorrow so you can see uh, and you can order it um, lot of good material in there and, and she walks through so many things about the body and culture right now and helps us think through it on a pretty deep level and maybe and maybe another step we need to take is there's like some things we need to unfollow online that aren't helping our image of our body maybe there's uh you know even even some fitness accounts are probably over the over the top you know some biohack you need to do like maybe there's some things that we're following that maybe aren't helpful for us um and so um, maybe those are the next step for you. And, and finally, this, if our bodies are a tool designed for a purpose, um, tools are good when you sharpen them. And so what are the ways you could sharpen the body that God has given you? What are some steps you could take? And, the, and again, these vary, right? It, it, it's, it's gonna be something different for each of us. But maybe, maybe, sharpening the tool that god has given you is looking at nutrition um so much of how our bodies end up being has to do with what we eat and how we eat and when we eat and all that kind of stuff maybe we look at that more closely if we haven't been maybe we look at our sleep why aren't we sleeping how could we get more sleep how important is that i don't know about you i listen to a lot of podcasts they're all telling me to go to sleep which uh, would be easier if i wouldn't listen to podcasts so much they keep me up thinking about it in the middle of the night but it's weird um Maybe that's, maybe looking at sleep. Maybe looking at counseling. Um, there's a lot of, uh, and we'll get into this in a later talk, but there's a lot of things around trauma and things from our past that, that show up in the way we show up in the world today. And they show up in our bodies. And maybe that's worth looking at and, and diving into. Or maybe it's, maybe it's exercise. Maybe we need to um, stop living our lives just in the world of the mind. And I think this is one of the downsides of sort of modern laptop world is that a lot of people just uh, live our whole days in our heads doing intellectual work. And I really value intellectual work, and it's really good, but it's not incredibly embodied, it's not, it doesn't activate the body. And maybe we need to lean into that more and go, man, I need to intentionally find ways to sharpen what God has given me. Um, we are gonna have this body for a long time, and then we're gonna have a new one in eternity. And so um, I really believe we need to look closely at what God has given us, and we need to do what it takes to care for what we have and and remember that it was given to us by God and that it is good. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, the body and that we are embodied creatures, and I pray you help us to um, be kinder to the bodies that we've been given and, and handle them well and think about them rightly and think about them in line with how you design them to be so that we can flourish, so that we can be more healthy in, in body, mind, and soul. God, help us to hold those things together as we think, think lovingly and carefully about um, all the issues swirling around in culture today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.